Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Also by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Lots of stuff we're getting into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Always appreciative of everybody that decides to tune in. You can check me out on YouTube. Um, for those that follow me on iTunes and Google Play or Apple Music and Google Play, I uh, apologize, haven't posted uh, enough of the podcast lately, but get this one up and we'll get the next couple ones up and hopefully we'll start to catch you up if you haven't listened to a lot of things we've been talking about lately. A lot of it's the same old stuff. Role of Major League Baseball manager is non-existent. Baseball Hall of Fame is a joke. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Rusny Castillo in a little bit. I do want to preview a little bit of the Wilder Fury fight. You technically have, right, two undefeated candidates. So it's interesting to see how this will end up turning out over the course of time. But um, really thinking about this as my 2020 baseball preview show. And it's been a while since we really talked about what the aspirations or expectations should be about the 2020 baseball season. And this point stands out because it really makes sense. You think of the fact that there has been such little time that's gone by since we felt baseball season ended and the Washington Nationals were crowned World Series champions for the first time in baseball history. Now lowering the number to now six of the 30 MLB teams that have never won a World Series championship. And you think of those six teams that haven't won a World Series championship. You got the Rangers. You got the Tampa Bay Rays. You got the Seattle Mariners, the San Diego Padres, Colorado Rockies, and Milwaukee Brewers. And a couple of years ago, the Astros were taken off their, their the list. They were the eighth team. The Nationals were the seventh team. Of course, there's going to be people that are going to dispute the validity of the Houston Astros and their World Series championship and saying they – Cheated. I'm going to table those thoughts for another time or maybe a pastime. If you want to jump into the DeLorean and go check out one of the previous past ball shows where I do get into that stuff, feel free to. But, you know, I was thinking about the power shift in Major League Baseball, and it, it, it's been pretty consistent. There hasn't really been much of a change over the last couple of years. You've heard the, the talk about the small market teams having a chance. And I've always believed that the small market team in baseball – you could, through a lower budget, get yourself into the playoffs the way it's set up now with the two wild cards. And maybe if things go right, you could advance a couple rounds, maybe get to the league championship series, and maybe in the idealist of ideal scenarios, get yourself to the World Series. It's what the Tampa Bay Rays did in 2008. It's what other teams have gotten close to doing in recent memory. But the problem that's going to exist is for that small market team to win themselves a World Series championship, it's got to be that ideal 100% perfect scenario for things to go their way. Because they are at an economic disadvantage. Not just an economic disadvantage in regards to their total payroll, but their ability to make that big splash that may be the difference in them being able to put things over the top. So while a certain part of me 
applauds the small market teams that are trying to compete in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland Athletics. I believe, and I will stand corrected, out of my chair, speaking as if I'm conceding an election, if the Rays or the Athletics ever win the World Series, if the Pittsburgh Pirates ever win the World Series. And if they ever do, it's going to be because they decided that they have to start spending in some way, shape, or form. So, 30 to 1 MLB countdown previews. I promise to do what we're going to call a Cliff Notes version. And I'm not going to get too in detail with any specific team, but I have a boring World Series prediction which may not be so different than what a lot of other people have out there, but I also have 30 teams ranked from 30 to 1, just like we have done for the better part of the last decade. So I'll start with team number 30, the team that I feel is going absolutely nowhere in Major League Baseball, and it's going to be a really tough and long season, and I'm going with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Pittsburgh Pirates are probably the epitome of everything that I just said before in regards to going the route of small market, but also going the route of a full-blown rebuild, a full simple jack rebuild going to start pretty much from scratch. And because of that, it's going to be a long season. But one of the things that the Pirates have to do is change the image. There's been some image issues in that clubhouse, whether it's Felipe Rivera, whether it's Kyle Crick, Jung-Ho Gong, it's it's something that they do need a change. Ben Sherrington comes over there from the Toronto front office to hopefully change the culture. They have a new manager in there, uh, Derek Shelton. And I think it's going to be a long season for the Pirates. I think the Pirates can lose as many as 105 to 110 games this year. That's going to be the worst team in Major League Baseball, number 30, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Number 29, probably another surprise. But I do think the future looks a little brighter for this team. And I'm talking about the Seattle Mariners. And I think the Seattle Mariners' biggest problem this year is going to be identification. What are their strengths? They Yes, they have some very good young players in their farm system. You know, you think of somebody like Jared Kelenic, who was traded in the Robinson Cano-Edwin Diaz trade. I think that will make the future look a little brighter for the Seattle Mariners. But to say the future is going to start this year, I think it's a little off. I think this is a 100-plus loss team. I don't think they have any stability in their starting rotation. I think from an offensive standpoint, it's very hard to point at and say this is their definitive offensive player. They still have a couple veterans that are mixed in there. Are they going to be traded? You know trader Jerry Depoto likes to make a lot of moves. I don't think this is going to be a good year for the Seattle Mariners, so I got them ranked. 29. 28 is a team that last year and probably the year before, and in some people's mind this year, should be called number 30, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. But the reason that I have some belief that the Baltimore Orioles will at least be better than two teams in Major League Baseball is just a slow development of some of their young players. And I think you're going to see that trickle in the Major League Baseball. And there's going to be a couple good stories this year involving the Baltimore Orioles. In addition, you think of the Boston Red Sox taking a step back. You think of the Toronto Blue Jays rebuilding. I do think that there are going to be some games that the Baltimore Orioles could win this year that they couldn't have won in past years. So I think that will up their win total a little bit. Will they lose 99 games? Will they lose 102 games? 
I think they're still in that range. I don't think they're going to have a breakout. I don't think they're going to win 70 games. But I don't think they're the worst team in baseball right now. Baltimore Orioles, number 28. Number 27 is another team that's rebuilding but is also confusing. I get it. Ned Yost is retired. You know, Dayton Moore is still there as a general manager. It looks like he's getting a chance to put this rebuild together. Whit Merrifield, they signed to the extension. Is this going to be a player that they're going to be able to build their team around? You still got Ian Kennedy. You brought back Alex Gordon. Where are those solid young players that you expect to see making a difference at the major league level? I don't see that there yet. And no shock here. The Royals are in for a long season. I got them ranked number 27. 26 is a team that was the worst in all of Major League Baseball last year, and that's the Detroit Tigers. So you ask, John, what is it about the Detroit Tigers that makes you think that they're going to be any better than they were last year? Is C.J. Crone that much of a difference maker? No. But I do think because of the weakness of the American League, and if you think of some of the teams that I just mentioned, the majority of them are American League teams, all except for the Pirates. I think there are going to be, or there is going to be a lot of bottom feeding. And you, if you, the Royals are as bad as I think they're going to be, then maybe the Tigers end up moving up a notch just because of that. If it's a down year for the Orioles from where they were, um, the Royals from where they were last year, then maybe the Tigers could pick up a couple of those games. And a team that lost 114 games last year can probably keep themselves from losing 100 games. But once again, we're talking about, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Tigers aren't going to be a good team. 25, the San Francisco Giants. And I thought the loss of Madison Bumgarner, though, was expected. I think it was a sign that the Giants were not really going to be in a position to compete this year. I think the Rockies are getting better. The Diamondbacks had a very good offseason. The San Diego Padres have the expectation that it's going to be unacceptable if they don't start winning games this year. So I look at the dynamics of the National League West, and I see every one of those teams getting better. And unexpectedly, or expectedly, the Giants took a step back. They weren't supposed to be good last year. They hung in a pennant race probably a lot longer than people thought. Maybe some of it was respect to Bruce Bochy, the longtime manager. Gabe Kapler's in there. There's mixed reviews about Gabe Kapler. I think he's a good baseball guy. I think he's a good analytics guy. I know Farhan Zaidi loves him, the general manager of the Giants. So why would you not expect Gabe Kapler to be the manager of the Giants? I thought that was going to be one of the foregone conclusions in the offseason. I thought he was, a, once the Phillies let him go, he was going to be a favorite for this job. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how much leverage, how much of an opportunity he gets for a rebuilding Giants team. I don't know if it's going to be too long. There may be some outcry if the Giants have a bad season, if they lose 95-plus this year, and there's no improvement next year. Maybe Kapler will only be there for a short period of time. We'll see how that works out. Number 24, the Miami Marlins. And the Marlins got to be happy to, to have moved up this far in, in the countdown. In the last couple of years, they've been between 27 and 30. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they haven't been really moving forward. The, the death of Jose Fernandez is still lingering on that organization and on that franchise. Derek Jeter, you hear more about him as the owner of that team than you do about any young players that are coming up through the circuits. 
I think they made a couple wise moves, getting Jesus Aguiar, Jonathan Villar, Corey Dickerson. I think those are players that are going to be pesky enough to win a couple more games in the National League East, but still not enough to make this team anywhere close to 500. 23 is the Cleveland Indians. And I think this is going to be probably my first surprise pick of a team being so low. But the Corey Kluber trade, the uncertainty around Francisco Lindor, and I do think if the Indians get off to a bad start, it's going to expedite the process of Lindor getting traded. The fact that Lindor is not a Indian for life, we're not expected to sign a long-term deal with the Cleveland Indians, speaks more about the Cleveland Indians and their interest in winning. Each team should be able to have a franchise type of player that they should be able to extend forever. The Miami Marlins did that with Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, at some point they traded him, but the Cleveland Indians should have the ability to sign Francisco Lindor to a long-term extension. And you know what? If somebody wants to trade for him, or somebody wants to buy that contract from the Cleveland Indians, I don't have any problem with that. But I do have a problem with the Indians not even thinking about giving Lindor an, a, an extension. And I think if stuff doesn't work out well at the beginning of the season, I could see Lindor's bags being packed and him on his way somewhere else. So team number 22 is going to be the Colorado Rockies. And I was very high on the Colorado Rockies last year. A lot of different reasons they disappointed me, and I'm sure the Colorado Rockies fan base was a, a little more disappointed than, than that. A team that I thought could have played in a World Series last year. Obviously, their, their pitching, which I kind of doubled down on. I felt like, you know, Herman Marquez and those guys that are there, Jonathan Gray and um, Kyle Freeland, looked like they figured out how to pitch in Colorado. And the Rockies... And their front office figured out a way to bring in pitchers that could pitch in that stadium. Well, it didn't work out so well last year. Kyle Freeland was hurt, which was a big blow to that team. So I think of the Rockies, and my belief is that they could be a little bit better. I think they could push a little closer to 500 this year than they did last year. Obviously, I'm not thinking that they're going to be a playoff team, but I could see this team kind of being somewhere in between where they were in 2018 and 2019. That's why I got them ranked number 22. Number 21, the St. Louis Cardinals, team that won the NL Central last year. Am I penalizing them because they lost Marzell Ozuna? No. Am I penalizing them because they didn't go out there and make that big dynamic move, i.e. a trade for Nolan Arenado? No. I look at the strength of the National League Central. And I just think that division is so much superior than a lot of other divisions. You got the Brewers, you got the Cubs, you have the Cincinnati Reds, who are obviously an upstart team. I, I think this is a division that's going to be very competitive. And a team like St. Louis that, I don't know, I just don't think they were as aggressive this offseason while a team like Cincinnati was. Are they going to be better than Milwaukee? Are they going to be better than Chicago? I think that's going to be the difference in where we see the St. Louis Cardinals. Are they better than those two teams? I don't know. They're pretty close. But right now, I think St. Louis is the third worst team out of those three teams. Now, team number 20. I'm going with the New York Mets. And the New York Mets have a ton of potential. Potential that's right up there with the St. Louis Cardinals, who I just mentioned. 
we're talking about probably the next 20 teams or so and how just about any of them can be interchanged in different ways. So why am I down on the Mets? The Mets' biggest need in this offseason was to do something about their bullpen. Their bullpen was the worst in baseball, and the way that they answered it is they still entrenched Edwin Diaz as their closer. He was awful last year. He could not throw a slider. He led the league, set a Major League Baseball record for the most hanging sliders thrown in one season. Jerris Familia was awful. Robert Gesellman was bad, but fans don't even realize how bad he was because Diaz and Familia were so much worse. So these guys are still anchoring your bullpen. Seth Lugo is one of the best relievers in baseball. I get it. He can't do it by himself. Dallin Betances comes over. Great signing. Yes. But your bullpen is still controlled by Diaz and Familia. And if these guys are going to all of a sudden turn it around, then maybe there's a different outlook for this team. But so much... So many things worked out well for the Mets last year. Pete Alonso as a rookie hit 53 home runs, more than anybody in baseball history. Jacob DeGrom won his second Cy Young. The Mets starting pitching staff stayed healthy all season last year. All three things that I think your most optimistic Mets fan thinks are just going to be expected for this year. And I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. You have a very competitive National League East. The Braves have gotten better. The Phillies have gotten better. The Nationals are coming off a World Series championship. Unfortunately, four teams in that division, they can't all go to the playoffs. I think the Mets are going to be on the outside looking in. So we'll go to number 19 now. That's going to be another competitive team, another good team, another team that made some lateral moves as opposed to aggressive moves in the offseason. I think they should have been a little more aggressive, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers kind of faded at the end of last season. Now, having MVP Christian Yelich out of the lineup was a major reason. Obviously, Trent Grisham was playing right field instead of Yelich. Grisham is now with the San Diego Padres. I think of the Brewers, and I still think that they're missing that dynamic, elite, number one starting pitcher. Can Brandon Woodruff be that guy? I don't know. You look at a couple other guys that are in that rotation, they can be serviceable. Um, you know, I think of the trade they made with the San Diego Padres. You know, are they better than they were? Eh, not really. It kind of, I kind of think of them in St. Louis in the same, you know, general area. I think it's a, th- a team that probably needed to make that one extra move to pull them over the top. They're still paying Ryan Braun a lot of money. I think they're going to be on the outside looking in. And, you know, as I continue to go through teams here, you could make a case that any one of these teams could be a postseason team in 2020. The Tampa Bay Rays, I got them at number 18. A lot of people are going to be pissed off. The Rays made the playoffs last year, so automatically they got to make the playoffs again this year. I don't agree. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays made some shrewd moves this offseason, like only the Tampa Bay Rays can do. The thought of Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, both of them being healthy, and Charlie Morton, give them a fortified top of the rotation. Offensively, I think they got some key players, and Kevin Cash and the front office there had them in a position where they could compete on every given night. That being said, I think the American League's a little better this year. I think the teams in the American League are going to compete a lot better with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think when it's all said and done, 
I just think there's other teams that improved. For the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah, they may be as good as they were last year, but they're not necessarily better. Number 17, the Boston Red Sox. Now, you say, how could you be so high on the Boston Red Sox? And I'm not necessarily being high on them. I'm going to talk a little bit about Rosny Castillo in about maybe 10 minutes or so. But the Red Sox, the big trade of bets and price to the Dodgers, I don't necessarily think they got enough back. But I do think there's enough talent there. I think Raphael Devers, Andrew Benatendi. You know, you're talking about players that really can play there. J.D. Martinez, a guy that should have won the MVP a couple of years ago. I think this is a team when it's all said and done, they're going to produce some runs. I think their pitching staff is still deep enough, though they are going to need Chris Sale and Nathan Ovaldi to be healthy this year. Eduardo Rodriguez was good last year. Obviously, no David Price, no Rick Porcello. How are you going to fill out the back end of that rotation? The bullpen, which you thought was going to be so bad for them last year, yet Brandon Workman established himself as one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball. So I give them credit for that. I think the Red Sox could be an over 500 team. I don't think that they are a playoff team, but I, I could see them better over the teams that I just mentioned. Number 16, the Chicago Cubs. And you may say the Chicago Cubs, is there more of a bland discussion of a baseball team, but a team that still has Chris Bryant, still has Anthony Rizzo still has a lot of the really good players that were part of the World Series championship in 2016. Javier Baez. You know, I think of their pitching, which is still decent. It's not great, but, you know, you still have John Lester. You still have Kyle Hendricks. I I think the Cubs can be all right. And I think it's going to be a retribution season for Craig Kimbrell. He's got to go out there and prove that last year was a fluke. Proved that last year he struggled just because he had to wait during the season to finally get himself a contract. I think he's going to be better. So that's why I think the Cubs are going to be a little bit better than the Brewers. And the Brewers are going to be a little bit better than the St. Louis Cardinals. So that's why I got the Chicago Cubs number 16. So in the top half of the league, number 15, we're going to talk about a team that was the World Series champion last year. And wonder why I'm ranking them number 15. Well, one big reason is Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is playing in Los Angeles with the Angels. The Nationals were not in a position for whatever reason, and I know they made Rendon a contract offer with a lot of deferrals. They couldn't sign Rendon. They couldn't sign Strasburg, both of them at the same time. Had a decent offseason, brought in Will Harris, retained a lot of the other players that were free agents. Remember, one of the things that hung over the Nationals once they won the World Series, obviously they were happy to do it, was the amount of players that were free agents at the end of the year. They retained the majority of them. They were not able to keep Rendon. Who's playing third base for them? Carter Kierboom? You move in Howie Kendrick over there? Just because he was uh, great in the World Series, all of a sudden he's an everyday player again? That's a lot to ask for. And the National League East is going to be good. I just mentioned the Mets. I think the Mets are going to be able to win some games. I don't have them going to the playoffs, but I think they can compete against the Nationals. I think the Phillies are good. I think the Braves are good. I think the whole National League is good. And you know what? The whole National League's coming out there to Washington Nationals this year. It's going to be very hard to repeat. It's going to be very hard to go from a wild card team that moved itself into the World Series to all of a sudden be in a stalwart of the National League. I got the Nationals at number 15. Number 14. It's probably my first surprise pick of the 30-1 to 1 MLB Countdown previews brought to you by JohnPLA.com. The Toronto Blue Jays. 
I like the Hunjin Ryu signing. I think it gives some stability to that rotation. It gives them a bona fide number one. It gives them a, an ability to compete with the likes of the Yankees and the Astros and the good teams in baseball when you're matched up against one of their number one starters. If you could go toe-to-toe with an ace, let's say a Verlander or a Cole or a Kershaw, and make that game, you know, 2-2 going into the seventh inning, I think that helps the Blue Jays' chances. I think this makes the Blue Jays a an over 500 team. And to me, that makes the Blue Jays the second-best team in the National League East. Number 13, the Philadelphia Phillies. I was kind of wavering with the Phillies. Did I want to jump on board and say this team was going to be a World Series or a playoff contender? I, I wanted to. I have a lot of concern about the bullpen. Now, some people may say Joe Girardi, very good manager of a bullpen. They bring him in. He's going to be able to get those guys fresh, make sure that he makes the right moves to the right pitchers at the right times. I just don't think he has the staff there. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Hector Neris. You know, you think of some of the other guys that are there. David Robertson probably won't pitch this year. I just don't think they've gotten a lot better in that bullpen. And you know what? Sometimes your relievers are only as good as the guys that are in there. I don't think any manager, even if Joe Girardi gets the most out of these guys, I don't think you're going to turn these guys into anything that they're not. I think the bullpen's going to be a big issue for the Phillies and a reason that they fall short in making the playoffs this year. Number 12, I'm going with the Oakland Athletics. And I like the Oakland Athletics. and In fact, I like this Oakland Athletics team better than I have a couple in recent years. I think they have some respectability in their rotation, even though they may not have any stars. I think they have a deep bullpen, even without Blake Trinan. I think offensively, Marcus Simeon established himself to go with Olsen and Chapman and Laureano. I think they do have a really good, well-balanced team. I don't look at them as a playoff team, though. I think some teams have kind of jumped up above them in the American League, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So the last team that I'm going to have is number 11, which is the best team that's not going to make the playoffs of 2020, is going to be the Texas Rangers. And I think the Texas Rangers have been knocking on the door the last couple seasons. They got themselves that number one starter in Corey Kluber. And you know what? The Texas Rangers being here is going to be absolutely 100% contingent on Corey Kluber. Can he be a number one starter? Can him and Mike Miner be something that really very few in the AL West are going to be able to do to be a bona fide, solid 1-2. I think that's going to be very interesting. You look at the Texas Rangers, and I think they got a, a balanced enough team, and them and the Blue Jays are going to be my two biggest surprises. Unfortunately, neither one of them are making the playoffs. So number 10, the first team in the playoffs, is going to be the San Diego Padres. And I've kind of held off the last couple of years. You're talking to somebody who was bullish enough to pick the Padres that offseason that they got Justin Upton and Matt Kemp and James Shields. I was wrong about that. I think the Padres have struggled for a couple of years, but expect a full season out of Fernando Tatis. A couple of the moves that they've made, I think, have been wise enough. The trade with the Brewers, the trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. I think there's enough influx of talent here 
I think they'd be better off if they found a taker for Will Myers. Maybe he goes to Boston in a contract dump. Padres, do they want Francisco Lindor? Do they not? I don't know. We'll see how that ends up working out. Maybe he's a good destination for Lindor if the Indians get off to a good start this year. But I could see the Padres kind of looking at this year saying, you know what, enough rebuilding. You spent the money on Hosmer. You spent the money on Manny Machado. It's time that you go get some wins with it. That's why Andy Green lost his job that last year. That's why, even though a lot of people don't know who he is, Jace Tingler is going to be under a lot of pressure this year, even though general manager A.J. Preller knows him from Texas, even though they have a good relationship. The expectation is that the Padres are going to win. I think they're going to get to the playoffs this year for the first time in a long time. Number nine, the Minnesota Twins. I like the Minnesota Twins. I do. They, they were more than just a great story last year. They were the best offensive team in baseball. They got even better with the acquisition of Josh Donaldson. I think from a starting pitching standpoint, they needed to get a little bit better. They didn't, and that's going to hurt them. Their bullpen is okay. The Minnesota Twins are not equipped to get to the postseason and do any damage. Just look at the series against the New York Yankees. They were so ridiculously outmatched there. I don't know if it was the fact that the Twins were saying, hey, this is the Yankees, we can't compete. I don't feel any better about the Twins this year, even though they have Josh Donaldson. I think you got to put them in the playoffs. I, I don't see them winning a big series and getting to the ALCS. Number eight, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm jumping aboard. Starling Marte, Madison Baumgartner, this team was supposed to rebuild, Right? Forget that. They're competing this year. And you know what? A National League that I think the National League East teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit. The NL Central teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit. And, you know, maybe the Giants, maybe the Rockies are a little bit worse than we expect. And you look at a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks, and even last year when it was supposed to be a transition season for them, competed to the end. They were an over 500 team. Like I said, having Bumgarner, they're a better team. Having Marte, they're a better team. I can tell Marte, one of the breakout stories of the 2019 season. I got the Diamondbacks going to the playoffs this year, number eight. Number seven, the Los Angeles Angels. And a lot of people say, hey, you know, whatever the Angels do, it doesn't seem to be good enough. Why didn't they make that Jock Peterson-Ross Stripling trade? They'd be a little bit better if they had those players, right? You could add them to the offense, to Rendon, to Trout, to Shohei Otani. Why didn't they make that trade? Uh, we'll find out if it's enough to hurt them. They're missing that legitimate bona fide number one starter. Joe Madden coming over there. Is that enough to put that team over the top? You know, obviously surprised that Brad Ausmus was let go after one season. But I like the Angels this year. I'm getting on them. Joe Madden and the Angels are back in the playoffs. I got them number seven. Number six, give me the Chicago White Sox. Great offseason. They were very aggressive. Dallas Keuchel, G.L. Gonzalez, Yasmani Grandal, Nomar Mazzara. Oh, yeah, they have Jose Abreu. They have Eloy Jimenez. They got Luis Robert, who I think is going to be an absolute star. You put all these players together and all of a sudden you start to think 
along the lines of the Atlanta Braves and the building of the offensive players that they had over there. The White Sox are back, baby. I got them in the playoffs, number six. Number five, another team back to the playoffs, the Cincinnati Reds. I'm buying it. I'm buying the Moussakis signing. I'm buying the trade last year for Trevor Bauer. This is a team that is going for it. I love the energy. I love the excitement. I love the fact that this team is ready to go. And the expectation should be that the Reds should win the division in the NL Central. I don't care about the Cubs. I don't care about the Cardinals or the Brewers. The Reds got a chip on their shoulder. They had the, one of the best off seasons in baseball. They got to go out there and prove it. I got them number five. Number four, the Atlanta Braves. And the question's going to be who's playing third, right? Maybe they're in the mix for an Arenado or a Bryan in a trade if things don't go well for one of those teams. But I like what they did with their bullpen. I like how they're going to be able to close games. Cole Hamill's coming in there. Hopefully he's healthy. He doesn't miss a lot of time as we get to what we'll call the halfway point here on the Passball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck in Scranton, Pennsylvania, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Acuna, Albies, Freeman. Braves didn't get far enough last year. I think the expectation is that they need to push each other. Is Donaldson enough of a loss to knock them a, a peg or two down? Maybe. I still got them winning the NL East. Number three the most hated team in Major League Baseball, and that's the Houston Astros. And if there's a team that's going to have a chip on its shoulder, it's going to be that. Now, does it make them good people? Does it make them less cheaters? Probably not. But it's thought that the Astros are going to struggle this year because the general public has soured on them. I think they're going to use it as motivation. I think they're going to rally behind their fans that are supporting them through this. I think they're going to be okay being the villains going out there on the road. They still have a ton of talent. Verlander, Bregman, Altuve, Springer. Are, are any of them cheaters? Probably. But I still think this Astros team is just as good as it's been the last three or four years. Give me the Astros number three. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I probably would have thought would have been a borderline playoff team if they didn't make the best price trade. I think there's a ton of talent on that team. Absolutely. Cody Bellinger is one of the best players in baseball. Kershaw, Bueller. Now you throw David Price in the mix. Mookie Betts is playing center field or right field or whatever. This is the year for the Dodgers. I got them number two. And number one, the best team in baseball in 2020 will be the New York Yankees. They had one glaring need, that dominating number one starting pitcher. In the playoffs this year, Garrett Cole is going to go as long as Garrett Cole can go. You know, Aaron Boone and the analytics staff is not going to go from Cole to Chad Green to Canley to Adovino to Britton to Chapman. He's going to let Garrett Cole go as long as he needs to. The injuries to Severino and Paxton are concerns. They're going to need those guys come October. But I don't think anybody's getting in the way of the New York Yankees. ALCS, I got the Yankees beating the White Sox this year. NLCS, I got the Dodgers over the Reds. And in the World Series, in a repeat of what we've seen in 1941, 
1947, 1949, 1952, 1953, 1955, 1956, 
which, by the way, that's another thing that's got to be collectively bargained with the players and the owners. May not be up in the list of the top five, but tell me the Boston Red Sox agree to a contract with Rusny Castillo. They're paying him $72.5 million over seven years. Why is his contract not counting against their luxury tax threshold? Because they found a loophole? <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe if baseball said that their contract with Castillo was going to count against the luxury tax, whether he was on the 40-man roster or off the 40-man roster, it'd be better for the player that would get a chance to play. Now he could go out there and hit 600 in AAA for Paul Tuckett, and he's not coming to the major leagues. It's a little bit of a joke. So last thing I did want to talk about, the heavyweight championship fight that we're going to see today. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. And there's so much irony in the fact that you could talk about two undefeated heavyweight champions going at it. Or heavyweight fighters going at it for the heavyweight championship. Wilder's 42 0 and 1. Fury is 29 0 and 1. Both fighters weighing in on the heavy side. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to watching this. I'd like to see what happens. But stop with the undefeated fighter talk. They fought each other once and it ended up in a draw. Which, while neither fighter lost, neither fighter won. So these are not undefeated heavyweight contenders. I want to see the fight, but I don't want to hear any talk about them being undefeated. Sure, this fight should settle once and for all. Who's better? Hopefully a fighter will win and a fighter will lose. But the fact that they had a fight before and it ended up being a draw does not make either fighter look good regardless of the results. And you're talking about from a boxing fan that goes back to the days of the 90s when boxing used to be must-see TV. It's not anymore. They need a great Wilder Fury fight. They need this to be one of the best heavyweight bouts in recent memory. Boxing has lost clout to MMA and UFC. And it's because of the own corruption that exists within the sport. I'm hoping... We get a classic fight today, and we have a legitimate heavyweight champion, which, by the way, maybe it's time that the heavyweight divisions, when they're talking about all this extra money that they're sharing amongst themselves, why don't they put their money where their mouth is, and let's have a unified heavyweight champion. A little bit of a recap of the show today. I'll have my 31 MLB predictions up on JohnPLA.com. We spoke a little bit about that today. The embarrassment for the Boston Red Sox, who looked bad in trading Mookie Betts and David Price, looked just as bad, if not worse, in their handling of the Rusny Castillo situation. This guy can hit 600 and Paul Tuckett, but because he's making $14 million and he's not on the 40-man roster, the Red Sox will probably not bring him up this year, which is an embarrassment. Where's the players' union to try to support a player like that? They're out there supporting the Houston Astros, who cheated, which if you heard my last show, I explained why. What are they doing for Rusny Castilla? Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Like I said, I hope these guys give the fans a show. 
because boxing's been hurting. Boxing needs something for people to remember. We'll be back with you next week. I'll be broadcasting from the great state of Florida as we get ready. Baseball today for the first time in six months. Let's go at it. From now until probably the beginning of November, there's going to be baseball on. Looking forward to it. This is John Pielli. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.